do believe that God wants to speak to everyone today. And I believe some great things are going to happen in our time together today. But I really felt God said this, that uh, for somebody here, in their internal world, there's a breach. And in, in their internal world, there's like a brokenness. Uh, but it's not just, it's not like there's just a grand canyon of brokenness. There's a breach and then there's a misalignment with what they feel their life is meant to be. And God wants to say to that person, I am going to heal that. I am going to heal it. Now, I was thinking, oh, God, do I, do I just call them out and pray for them? And I just, I just kind of felt whatever it is, it's personal. But for someone here today, that's a real word of hope. Because you don't just feel a brokenness. You feel a brokenness and a misalignment. And I believe God is going to bring those all back together, which is awesome. Such a privilege to be here. Love these guys so much. Uh, thanks, Pastor Adam and Pastor Darcy, for having me. And uh, it was so funny. Uh, earlier on, I, was, um, I had to do something on the computer, so Darcy let me in her office, and Frosty showed me in, and, and so Frosty makes some mocking comments about the pink seats in Darcy's office, right? And then a little later, I have to go into Adam's office, and I see a sewing machine in there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right, okay, I see where this is going. That's fine. <laughs> no, I love these guys so much, and, um, you know, talk about old heads on young shoulders, uh, you guys are exceptional. And I absolutely believe that whatever God does for me uh, with our campus, God's going to do way more for you with your campus. So better hope I do well, eh? <laughs> Great stuff. We're on the, in the series Into the New, and we're going to be talking today about a new expectation. Um, you know, uh, we're so blessed in the city to have Pastor Bob and Maggie Lawson, and some of you may know them. Uh, Bob and Maggie, they were my senior pastors when I was just a, a young fella. Uh, Bob and Maggie, uh, Bob was our national leader for many, many years for Elam New Zealand. And it's such a privilege to have them on team with us. And then, of course, we've got Pastor Luke and Marilyn. Bro, they've kind of both been pastoring similar lengths of time. And Marilyn, uh, Marilyn and Luke are, again, just such legends. And, you know, I, I look at Luke and I look at Bob and I, I see men who are generals in the faith. I see men who are fathers in the faith for so many in our movement. And there's just something about them, right? There's something on their life. I look at them and I go, I see people who are blessed. I don't know if you've ever been to their house, but their house is really beautiful. I mean, they've got a beautiful house, beautiful views. It's like, it just, it's almost as if everything they touch turns out well. It's amazing. Uh, both of them, both of these leaders, they've traveled the world. Um, they walk in the power of God. You know, the very first time I ever saw Pastor Luke, uh, he came down to Dunedin and, um, and he was doing a leaders seminar. We're in a room, maybe a, on a third the size of this, jam-packed with leaders. And he was teaching us how to move in the anointing. And he asked, he, he didn't ask, he chose a volunteer. He said, I want to show you what I mean. And he pulled this guy out. And I, and I remember thinking, oh, this is not going to go well for you. Because this guy, I've known him for many years, totally resistant to the things of the Holy Spirit, you know. And Luke got him up and Luke made him stand there. And he said, I'll show you what it means to minister in the anointing. He said, I just want you to close your eyes. So this guy's standing with his eyes closed. He says, I'm not going to touch him. But this is what happens when you move in the anointing of God. And he puts his hand out and the guy just hits the deck like someone had sawn a tree down. It was unbelievable. I mean, this is Pastor Luke, right? And, and I've just got so much respect for these guys. They've raised up so many leaders uh, there are so many churches right now in Elam that are led by pastors who have sat 
under their leadership and care. So many significant people look to these guys for their wisdom, their care, and their influence. They are blessed. And yet, there have been battles. There have been valleys in their lives. And I know just a tiny bit of some of the battles they've been through, some of the strains that they have endured, some of the lean times, the desert times, the loads they have endured. Horrific things. You know, I think of Pastor Luke in Maryland uh, with the Mangatapopo tragedy. Six students, one teacher killed, and having to navigate that. I remember talking with Pastor Luke once. Um, Bill Hybels happened to be in the country at the same time, and he asked to visit, and, um, and so Luke took him to the chapel where a lot of the students were doing a lot of healing work in there, and he invited Bill Hybels to go on, and, but, uh, but Luke didn't go on himself. And I said to Luke, I said, why wouldn't you go in? He said, I just couldn't go in there anymore. It was, there was just too much pain associated with going in there anymore. It just gave me a tiny glimpse into the load that that man has carried at various times in his life. With Bob Maggie Lawson, I remember the time when their daughter was abducted and, uh, and then violently assaulted. I mean, really tough times in the life of a family, right? I've seen both of them when colleagues have fallen into sexual immorality and they've had to clean it up. I've seen them when they've had friends turn against them, tests of unfairness, tests of betrayal, of loss. You know, Pastor Luke doesn't have four stents in his heart because he's lived a stress-free life, right? And yet, they are blessed. There is a sense that God is with them, that God is for them, that God is working through them. There's an anointing on them that defies the circumstances they've lived through and defies the years that are on them. It only seems to grow. They are blessed. And here's the lesson this morning. The blessed life isn't the trouble-free life. It's the overcoming life. The blessed life isn't the trouble-free life. It's the overcoming life. You see, it's not nice if we have God's blessing. It's essential that we have God's blessing. We need to be blessed precisely because there will be battles. We need to be blessed precisely because there will be obstacles. We need to be blessed precisely because there is an enemy of our souls out there, team, that is coming against us and coming against our families and coming against the good things that God wants to do in us and through us. We need the blessing of God. So this morning, I want to I want to explore the idea, what is the blessing? And I don't know about you guys, but man, singing that song this morning is like, do we have to stop? Like, was there a reason why we had to stop? Like, can we tell Mike to come back another Sunday? Because I don't know about you, but man, it's like unfinished, unfinished business for me this morning on that song anyway. And uh, we're going to be singing that again later, and it's going to be amazing. But this idea of blessing, it's from the Hebrew word barach. It's from Genesis 1.22, where God created everything. And then it says this, the Lord blessed them. It's the first time we see the word appear in Scripture. Blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Now, some of you will be aware of what they call the principle of first mention. It's a theological principle. And so whenever you come in Scripture to the first appearance or the first time a concept is mentioned, interestingly enough, it's like all of the key understandings and principles around that concept we find in its first appearance 
that helps us understand and unlock every other time that concept appears in Scripture. That's the principle of first mention. So what that means is for us to understand what blessing is about, we have to go to Genesis 1.22 and look at what blessing is about there. And what that tells us is that blessing is somehow connected to fruitfulness. It's somehow connected to making a difference, to multiplication, to achieving potential. That's what blessing is all about. It's something to do with replicating yourself and replicating what is good in others and seeing a continuation through generations of what God is doing. That is what blessing is about. You see, if you're not blessed, you're not going to make a difference. If you're not blessed, you're not going to reach your full potential. If you're not blessed, you're not going to be able to replicate the good in you and others to the degree that God wants to see it done. You see, it's not just about living a great life. It's about living a great life that then you take everything that was great in you and put it in as many people as you possibly can. So then they build on that and the greatness from their lives goes to another level. Blessing is what allows the seed and dry ground to put down roots and push up its shoots into new life. Blessing is what allows the spiritual person in this unbelieving world to thrive and to grow and to multiply and to make a difference for God when everything seems to be against them. Blessing is the spiritual rain that when it comes down allows the man or woman of God to put down their roots deep and to find something in them that pushes up a mighty oak tree in any weather, in all locations, that they might see incredible things as a result of that. And the people of God were to be blessed in the same way. And we're going to go in a moment to Numbers chapter 6, where God commanded Moses and the priests to bless the people of Israel, to bless them. And blessing happens in the same way healing happens, the same way salvation happens. We speak it out. There's a creative utterance. It's something that is declared. You are saved. You are healed in Jesus' name. I receive Christ as my Lord. Blessing operates in the same way. See, God told Moses and then to tell Aaron and the priests to bless God's people, to speak it out, to declare it over them and to them and in them. See, the Word of God is living and active, right? right. Uh, we, we, we so don't get that. I reckon every one of us are going to go to heaven and we're going to have some ah oh, moments. And one of them is going to be, oh, like the Word of God really does have the power to change me yeah, when it gets in me. You see, when the words of blessing are received and believed, they activate in us the supernatural working of God in a particular way. So let me take you to Numbers chapter 6. This is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, and here it is, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now, I'm going to go into this in detail in just a moment. But it's really important for us to realize a couple of things about this. So God gave to Moses and the priests the authority to bless. God also gave to fathers the authority to bless. And we see this throughout Scripture. When Abraham blessed his sons, do you know what happened? Something fascinating happened. What Abraham declared over their lives came to pass in their lives. 
It's like these declarations are a declaration of God's potential in the Holy Spirit for that person and their lives. And there's a sense of uniqueness in each one. Abraham blessed Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob, his son. And later on, he also blessed his grandsons. Jacob blessed his sons. And Jacob even blessed Pharaoh. You see, the power of the blessing isn't just restricted to Christians. We carry a power that that seems to change something in the unseen in people's lives. It's an astonishing thing. Now, they can make decisions such that that blessing is not fully revealed in their lives. We can do it. We can be blessed, and then we can go out and make terrible decisions with our whole lives if we want to, and we can go off and derail the whole thing. But if we will come and draw near to God and trust and obey Him, then the blessing in our lives will activate something in us, which is so awesome. And so God did this so that not only would people be blessed by priests, but also by fathers. Now, this is so important. Why? Because some fathers curse their children. It's just a reality. Some fathers say things to their sons and daughters. It should never be said to sons and daughters. You will never amount to anything. You are hopeless. You are useless. This is, this is what some of us have heard. That's the reality. What a tragedy. Because God's plan was always that fathers would bless, would speak a different thing, activate a different thing in their lives. And you know what? Today, what we're going to do is at the end of this service, we're going to have an opportunity for you if you've never heard those words from a father, from your dad, we're going to have an opportunity for some of the fathers of the faith in this congregation going to come out here. And if you've never had that, if you've never heard those words, you can come and you can have a father's blessing on your life today. And God will honor that. So there were these specific prophetic blessings, and then there was this general prophetic blessing for every follower of God who's willing to trust and obey. And we've got, we've got to understand this. It's not a guarantee of a problem-free existence. That's not what the blessing is. It's not a guarantee of a problem-free existence. Israel still had God-chosen battles to fight. And even when you're blessed, you still have God-chosen battles to fight as well. But it's as if in those battles, in those circumstances, in trusting and obeying, your realized potential is enough to prevail and overcome every time and everything that comes your way. You see, the blessing is a supernatural empowering to overcome all earthly limitations. It's God's intended state for every one of us that we live blessed. That's where he wants us to be. You know, many years ago when I was at university, man, I was far from God. I was, you know, I was turning up to lectures occasionally. I was doing lots of dumb stuff, drinking a lot of alcohol. I was just a young, lost idiot out there. And my parents would write me letters. I, I was down in Dunedin at Otago, and my parents were up here, and my parents would always write me letters. I'd get another letter, you know, and I'd open it, and I'd read it, hoping there's some cash in it, and throw it away, you know. Um, but you know, interesting thing, there's one of the, of, of the letters my dad wrote me, I've always kept. And you know what he did in the midst of that letter? This is what he wrote to me. He said, my son, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. 
Lord, turn his face towards you and grant you peace. I didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know where that, where that was from. But there was something about it that somehow went deep inside my soul and I've never thrown that letter away. I've, kept, I've got that letter in a box at home. There was something supernatural about it. I, I didn't even understand what was going on. I was miles away from God. But those words somehow went deep into my soul and they became an anchor for me through many years. And it was years later that I finally gave my life to Christ. But that was one of the moments where God went right inside my soul and anchored me with his blessing. You've got to bless your children. You've got to bless your children. you just got to do it. You know, there's an assurance that comes when you know that you're blessed, a, a sense that failure will not hamper you, that your history need not define you, that fears will not overcome you. There's the comfort that comes when you know you are blessed, that, that fate is not against you. God is for you. There's a sense that God is not distant and watching from the sidelines. He is beside you and before you and behind you and within you. There's a sense that God believes in you. And there is a confidence that comes when you know that you are blessed. Something that says, well, if I'm not weak, maybe I should be strong. That if I cannot fail, then maybe I should try again. That if I'm blessed to win, then maybe I need to start acting like the winner that I have been declared to be. And you know what? The devil hates the power of blessing. The devil hates the power of blessing. Firstly, he hates that God blesses if we trust and obey. So what does he try and do? He tries to get us to doubt and to distrust. And he uses lies and fear and offense. So many people, so many people are offended at God. And the devil's going, awesome. Just That's all I needed to do. That's all I needed. You know, there was so much power available to us when we trust and obey God. Let me read this to you from Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and you'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you in one direction and they will flee from you in seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that He has given you. And it goes on and on and on. It is unbelievable. The blessings, if we will trust and obey. Secondly, the devil hates the fact that sons can be blessed by their fathers. Sons and daughters can be blessed by their fathers. And so he works so hard to separate fathers and sons and fathers and daughters so he can cut off the blessing before it can be uttered. Have we ever been in a time in all recorded history when there are more fatherless sons and fatherless daughters in the world, as you are today? And then thirdly, the devil hates that blessing flows down through authority. The, the, you know, Psalm 133, the, the, the blessing of the authority is on Aaron and it flows down to the priests and then flows down to the people. The devil hates that. So he tries so hard to get us to distrust and mistrust and despise and reject leadership in our lives. If he can break that, if he can disrupt our unity, he can disrupt the flow of blessing that is there. And, and we've got to realize that as with all of the good things of God, there's a counterfeit that the devil has for us as well. The world blesses too. That's the reality, right? 
The world blesses you when you are perfect, when you have a perfect face or a perfect body or the perfect job. And if you don't, it curses you. And here's the thing. God doesn't bless you because you're perfect. God blesses you because Jesus was perfect in your place. Hallelujah. That's what he does. The world blesses you when you're talented, which is all good if you're really talented. But if you're like me, then that isn't good news. But here's the great thing, right? If God doesn't bless you if you're talented, God blesses you with talents so that you can be all that he destined you to be. The world blesses you when you will do anything to get the results that it wants. God blesses you when you do the right things, regardless of the results, leaving all of the outcomes up to Him. I'm telling you, church, God wants you blessed. God wants you blessed today. You know, blessing, number one, is an exclamation. It starts with someone speaking it. It's the strangest thing. It starts with someone declaring it. It's a creative utterance. When someone speaks it over your life, or like my dad writes it down, his words, there's something supernatural in the words. When someone blesses you on behalf of the Lord, something shifts in the spiritual. It is spoken over you. It is spoken to you. It is spoken into you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Secondly, blessing is an expectation. It is an expectation of good in faith. This is a powerful thing. When we believe, when we trust that what has been declared is now ours, when we have that expectation that something is going to happen, strangely enough, God moves on that. You see, we see in the book of Daniel that, that, that Daniel goes and he begins to seek the Lord for something. And then we find uh, a week goes by and two weeks go by, goes by and three weeks goes by and, and Daniel's out there on, by the river and suddenly poof, this angel appears. And what does the angel say to him? Daniel, from the moment you set your face to seek understanding, I was sent. I'm telling you, church, from the moment we seek our face towards God, God sends answers. God starts commanding angels. God starts putting things in place. Do we have any surfers in the house here today? Any surfers? Has anyone ever surfed? Anyone ever been swimming in the sea? Anyone been to the beach? Okay, alrighty. Okay. Woo, that was going bad quickly. Okay. Here's the amazing thing, right? You know that the waves that come in that we so love splashing in? You know, those waves come from far out at sea. Sometimes weeks earlier, a huge storm or a big gust of wind pushed energy into the sea. And from that moment, that wave was destined to crash on that shore. That wave was coming to where you would be in two weeks' time. That wave was going to bring you delight. And if you're a surfer and you're any good, which I'm not, you might be able to get up on a surfboard and ride that. But that was coming. It's been coming for weeks. Some of you have been praying for things and you're like, God's not answering. Well, no, 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 no. It's on its way. Make no mistake. It's been coming for days or weeks, sometimes for months, sometimes for years. But it is Come in, ladies and gentlemen, because God is faithful. We've got to have an expectation. The third thing is that blessing is a manifestation. This is so important. You see, blessing can be seen. That's why I started talking about these men of God that I see and admire. I see blessing on their lives. See, blessing was designed to be a manifestation. It was designed to move from the spiritual into the natural. God designed blessing so that every other nation could look at his people Israel and see the difference between people that belong to him and the rest of the world. So I'm telling you, blessing is to be manifested in your life. And you know, this blessing in number six, it's so intriguing. It's an instruction to the priests of this now wilderness camp. 
come out of Egypt, now in this desert. You know what I mean? They were in a tough situation, right? I mean, no one goes to the desert for their holidays. Like, oh, let's go to the desert. Oh, yeah, cool, Dad. That sounds no, no one does that. No one goes to the desert for their holidays. These guys were going to have some real challenges ahead of them. And so God brings his blessing. And there's a structure to, to Numbers 4, 5, 6, and 7. And I won't go into it now, but I do want to say this. There's a structure to this blessing as well. It starts from the outside. This blessing is, firstly, it's about protection from what is outside of you. Secondly, the second stage of this blessing, it's about closeness, coming near to God's presence, finding his grace in that place. And then thirdly, it's about intimacy, full acceptance, and then this incredible granting of wholeness and authority and health and the ability to do well. It is powerful. I'm going to get the team up now as we kind of just come to the last part of our message. But I just want to take a few moments, and I want to go through the three parts of this blessing because we need to hear this this morning. Firstly, number six blessing says this. It says, the Lord bless you. And what that means is that the Lord is speaking favor and his divine promises on you. That's what it means. The Lord bless you. The Lord is going to, he's going to speak favor to you and divine blessing. And then it says this, it says, and keep you. What does that mean? The Hebrew is shamir. This is what it means. It literally means to hedge you about with thorns. And, and this is, a, this is a, a, an idea from, from um, Middle Eastern shepherds who would create these corrals of twisted thorns around their sheep so that lions and bears, which were prevalent in the Middle East, uh, thousand years ago, even a couple of hundred years ago, uh, they couldn't get in. So it literally means when, the, it's, when it says the Lord keep you, what it says, the Lord create a, a hedge of thorns around you that no lion or bear can get in. And this is the blessing that was on Job's life. Do you remember? Have you, have you read the book of Job? Where Satan says in Job chapter 1 verse 10 to God, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything that he has? You have what? Blessed the work of his hands, his life, his wife, his family, his businesses, his health, all had a spiritual protection around it that the devil could not breach without God's express permission, favor and protection. That's the first part of this blessing, but there's more. The second part is this. He says, may he make his face shine upon you. Now, we're going to remember who we're talking about here. This is the God of the cosmos. Like this is the God who, who heaven is where he, he seats himself. Earth, this planet is his footstool. I mean, this is the great and incredible God. And, and he says, make his face shine upon you. And this refers to the relationship, correlates with the relationship that Moses had with God. When Moses would go in to the tabernacle, it says that he would meet face to face with God as a man talks with his friend. Think about how you talk to a good mate. A good, and we're talking that kind of intimacy. And the, the glory of God would show, so shine on Moses that when he went out, he, he was glowing like he was an alien. People were freaking out. He had to wear a veil over his face just so it didn't shock people. And so what this is saying is God is going to come near to you like a friend. May he make his face shine upon you. It's this picture of his shining face enlightening yours, warming your soul as the sun warms the earth. And there's a hint in the Hebrew here about this idea of kindling a fire within you. 
And then the second part, I love this. Make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Now we know about grace. We've heard about grace, you know, God's undeserved, uh, unmerited favor. But in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew, it's got a slightly different sense. In the Hebrew, the sense is to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior or to a child. When the blessing says, God be gracious to you, it's saying God is gonna come to you like, like to a friend. He's gonna stoop down. He's gonna come down to your level like to a loved child. And this idea of grace within this, it's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the same way a loving parent will get down to a three or four-year-old child who's having a complete tantrum, you know, completely losing it. And that loving parent will get down kind of eye to eye, give him a bit of a grin. The little child can't hold the tantrum for too long. The smile bursts out on their face. This idea of God being gracious to us, God is coming down to us. He's drawing the very best out of us. He's face to face with us. He sees you. And then may He turn His face toward you. This idea of turning your face towards another is an action of complete acceptance. A king would turn his face towards someone to show full and complete acceptance and then, and grant you peace. And this is the Hebrew word shalom. It's an incredibly broad word in the Hebrew. According to the International Bible Encyclopedia, it carries the sense of soundness and wholeness and health and prosperity and wellness and happiness and fullness. It carries all of these things. And so God is turning His face towards us in complete acceptance. And then in that place is granting us fullness and soundness and health and prosperity and happiness and good, all of those things. You know, this is what the father does, right? And the prodigal son, when the youngest finally comes home, who's wasted everything, taken everything for granted, lost everything, dishonored everything. And then the father does the unbelievable. He does the inconceivable. In fact, he does the irrational. He runs to this son and he throws his arms around him. And as this lost son arrives home, he puts the robe around him, speaking of family and home. He puts the ring on his finger, speaking of authority. I mean, this is an incredible picture. This is what the blessing is. God runs to us when we don't deserve it, when we've walked so far, when we've left so much. And God runs to us and He gives us authority where authority was lost. He gives us family where family was lost. He gives us opportunity where opportunity was lost. He gives us second chances when all chances have been expended. He gives us full rights when we had squandered all of our rights. It is the covering that God gives us for what we need for the next season. It is God's desired state for us, blessed. It is a powerful, creative proclamation of undeserved kindness, of unearned favor and authority. Face to face, He comes down to us and He blesses us. Let me say it again, the blessed life isn't the trouble-free life. It's the overcoming life. You know, we were, we were in Vietnam last year. I was there with Pastor Adam and Pastor Darcy, and what a privilege it was to get to minister with these guys. But we were also there with Pastor Maggie uh, and Pastor Bob Lawson. And 
Pastor Bob Maggie, they're in their 70s. And, uh, you know, Frosty's preaching up a storm and Darcy's preaching up a storm and, and I'm preaching up a, a mild weather disturbance. And, you know. But you know what? When Bob and Maggie preached, <laughs> I'm looking at these in their 70s. These guys are moving like they're in their 20s. They're preaching like they're in their 20s. They've got the fire of God on them like they're 150. I mean, it was unbelievable. There was just a different thing on their lives. And I remember looking at them going, is this what life looks like when I'm in my 70s? If it is, I want it, God. Whatever is on them, God, I want it on me. I want to be like this when I'm 70. I want to be as young as they are moving. I want to be as fiery as they are. I want to be as full as they are. God, I want to be like that when I'm 70. It's the blessing of God that is on them. It was amazing. And here's the great thing. We can. We can. Some of us have accepted cursings. Some of us have believed things that have been spoken over our lives, sometimes from when we were kids, when parents said things or teachers said things or uncles or aunties said things they should never have said. And we didn't have the wisdom. It wasn't our fault. We didn't know we could question it. And we just took it as real. We took it as right. And we've lived our lives under that ceiling ever since. And I've seen it again and again and again. And I tell you, God's going to break something in some of you this morning. God's going to set you free. Because there is a blessing that God wants you to walk in every day of your life. We're going to start singing the song again, the blessing. And I'm going to come out in just another minute or so. And we're going to open the altar up. I'm going to ask uh, some of the fathers of the faith, Pastor Adam and some of the team that he's chosen, just to come out here. And we're going to have a moment with God this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Can we, can we get to our feet this morning? Come on. Let's get to our feet. Let's just, uh, let's just start to sing this. Let's just start to declare this this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. those gentlemen who are going to pray this morning. If you just come up the front now, I'd really appreciate that. And just come take some places here and face the congregation. I want to say to you this morning, if you've never received the Father's blessing, I don't care how old you are. I don't care you're eight, if, if you're 8 or you're 18 or you're 58 or you're, six, or you're 108, I don't care. If you're 108, I do want to meet you afterwards. But men and women, ladies and gentlemen, this is for whoever needs it this morning. I don't know if God sent me here for one person or for more. But we're going to have that opportunity in just a moment. See, I know the blessing of my Father. It's such a powerful anchor in my life. And some of us here will never know the blessing of our earthly Father. Maybe your earthly Father's already passed on. I don't know. Maybe your Father is just never going to say those words. Well, we can still have the Father's blessing. You know, Psalm 68 declares that the Lord is a Father to the fatherless. He is, and He is yours. 
And maybe today there is something for you here. And so if you will step out this, this morning in faith, all you've got to do is you just got to come forward and stand in front of one of these men and they and God will do the rest. If that's you this morning, come out now. We're going to sing. Let's do this. Just kind of line up in the aisles. Turn his face toward.